I think I put too much of a premium on being likable. I am a likable person. I don't have to work so hard about that. I like other people. I truly have good relationships. So I got a little derailed by that focus. And it took me some false starts to really learn how to have an effective managerial relationship with people that need your guidance and mentoring. Welcome to The Art of Speaking Up, a podcast that empowers professional women to rise. I'm your host, Jessica Guzik. And in this show, I take you undercover into the stories and lessons that I learned, sometimes the hard way, throughout my career. I also talk with working women, leaders, and coaches to show you that no matter what your struggle is and no matter what your career goals are, you already have all the talent that you need to succeed. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today's episode covers a lot of the topics that I love talking about, topics like the struggle to be assertive and career advancement and all of my favorite things. But I think one of my personal favorite takeaways from the conversation you're about to hear and one of the reasons that this conversation made me feel lighter and a sense of relief is because today's guest talks all about the fact that our career paths can be unpredictable, that sometimes we're not always moving forward in a perfectly straight line, and that that's okay. And this conversation really helped me lift some of the burden of having to have everything figured out and all of the perfect steps planned. And if you're someone who has a sense of what you want for your career, but you're not totally sure, and sometimes it stresses you out, I think that you'll really enjoy this conversation. And I think that you'll be really inspired by today's guest, Amy. We talk all about her corporate career, and she shares all of her wisdom and learnings from the success that she's had there. And she also talks about a huge pivot that she's made recently in her career as the founder of her own startup. She has created an incredible product, which you'll hear us talk about in the interview and which I'll talk more about in the outro. But it was so inspirational for me to hear her story and hear how she built a very successful corporate career and at some point made a big leap and a big move to go pursue her dream and build something that she wanted to put out in the world that meant so much to her. And it was really a joy for me to talk with her. She shares so much helpful advice. She is really, really well-versed in the topic of women in the workplace and the topic of confidence and the topic of how to show up in a way that makes us feel good, but also advances our careers. So I think that you will really enjoy this one. I'm excited for you to listen to it. I have a couple super quick announcements before we get into the the conversation. The first one is that for the foreseeable near future, the podcast is going to be coming out every other week instead of every single week, mainly for purposes of my time and sanity. It was a big challenge for me to put out a show every week, and I'm giving myself a bit more time to work on each episode. So I hope you'll stick around, and I promise an episode at least every other week, and maybe sometimes more. We'll see how things go. And the second thing that I wanted to share is I'm going to be starting a newsletter pretty soon. I've been doing a lot of writing in the background of the show, and there's actually an episode coming up later in this season that's a piece that I wrote that I'm going to read. And I want to share more of my writing with anyone who's interested. And so I'm going to do so on the show via solo episodes that are my writing and via email. 
And so if you're interested in receiving reflections or thoughts or things that I've written via email, you can sign up in the show notes. I'll put a link down there. And with that, let's meet Amy. Let's get into the conversation. And I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Hi, Jessica and everyone. I'm so happy to be here. I am Amy Gidden. I am the co-founder and CEO of a mobile app startup called Daily Aloha. But that is quite a departure from the long and windy path it took to get here. Uh, I've had a long career that's been lived in many different chapters. The first chapter was my corporate decade, during which I really trained a lot. I learned who I was in the workforce. I learned how to manage people and I developed a skill set. So that was chapter one. Chapter two was quite different. I was raising young children and I was working more flexibly. I was consulting. I was wearing a lot of hats and doing a lot of juggling. And that was almost like a decade of treading water, but staying active in the workplace and continuing to grow as I could, but at a lesser pace. And then chapter three was really a full return to executive life back into, for me, which was financial services where I would say I achieved the highest pinnacle of title and pay and stature. And then I'm in chapter four, which has been a pivot from doing what I'm really good at and what achieves outwardly defined success toward inner fulfillment. And the first bit of that was turning into women's leadership And now where I am now, I now have a startup that is a full reflection of my core beliefs and values. I feel like each one of these chapters could be its own (laughs) episode. Maybe that will happen eventually. But let's go into chapter one. Can you share what was really tough for you at the very beginning of your career? Yes, almost everything. Uh, (laughs) Maybe that won't come as a surprise to, to many. But I think that upon reflection, I was not as intentional as I could have been, and I let myself kind of get swept along based on where people wanted to see me adding value for them rather than where I wanted to plug in based on my skills and interests. So I think it was a combination of not being intentional, but but also just not knowing myself well enough uh, to know where my kind of highest good was going to be. Um, So I got swept along and I have to say I was pretty lucky because I got swept into some good places, but it wasn't really by my design. I would highlight one other thing that was challenging in my early career, which is learning to manage other people. I advanced pretty quickly, so I was fairly inexperienced when all of a sudden I had other people to direct. And I was so aware of my youth that I think I put too much of a premium on being likable and like one of the gang versus being a really clear, direct leader. I am a likable person. I don't have to work so hard about that. I like other people. I truly have good relationships. So I got a little derailed by that focus. And um, it took me some false starts to really learn how to have an effective managerial relationship with people that need your guidance and mentoring. 
I relate to that so much. And like, I want to kind of share with you sort of how I've experienced that. And just to get your point of view, because I think this is something that a lot of people so many people probably feel or have experienced or will experience in their careers. There's kind of the authentic version of you. And like when you're being authentic, it feels good. And then the version that's too nice actually doesn't feel good, even though you're like thinking it'll feel good. And then the version that's also trying to be the way you think uh, powerful looks also doesn't feel good. And it's sort of like, what's the actual version of me that is nice and also is powerful and doesn't feel weird when I do it? That's kind of how I've experienced it. But I'd be curious if it was like that for you. Yes, 100%. And now I have better language to describe what you're describing. After working in women's leadership now for a while, you know, there's something called the double bind, which is really helpful, I think, for women to have in mind. And it's this push-pull that you're describing between what society expects femininity to look like which is nice and cooperative and collaborative and compromising, right? And then what corporate America expects strong leaders to look like, which is authoritarian and demanding and you know non-compromising and all these other things. So for women, we have this little razor thin edge that we can navigate often between what's expected of us as women and what's required of us as leaders. So we're not crazy to be struggling with this. I mean, the struggle is real, right? So that's part of the answer. We really truly have organizational navigational challenges based on these workforce dynamics. Having said that, there's also just the process of figuring out who you are authentically, as you say, in the workplace, where you can bring your authentic self to work and feel like you're being true to yourself, you're being the leader that you know you're capable of, and you're inspiring others as yourself. And I think that over the decades since I was early in my career, I do feel like workplaces are allowing more of the full self to show up authentically and that people are waking up that we need stereotypical feminine qualities and male qualities in the workplace and in our leaders. So, you know, I'm hopeful that um, we can bring our full selves and all of those qualities are going to be accepted and, and in fact, not only accepted, but embraced. I'm hopeful as well. And let's fast forward all the way to chapter four, which is a very exciting one. But I love asking my guests kind of what is their thing now that they're working on, like their next goal for personal slash professional growth? Wow. Well, I don't think I've ever grown at this fast a clip. (laughs) So it's not about how do I want to grow, but it's like, can I keep up with the growth fast enough to uh, stay one step ahead of what my business requires? Um, So, you know, pivoting from large and mid-sized organizations where there's some structure and some resourcing and some blueprints for how things get done to a startup where whatever structure there is comes from me, whatever blueprint there is comes from me, is really uh, unsettling. And I feel like I've gone from playing to my strengths to playing to my values, which on the one hand feels pretty amazing. Uh, but on the other hand, there's a lot of you know skill development that I need every day. But it's thrilling. I mean, it's completely unnerving and completely thrilling and energizing at the same time. 
That's incredible. And we're going to get into some of your corporate experience as well, because a lot of the women who listen to this show are in that world and you've had so much success there. So I basically want to milk you for all your insights so that anyone who's listening who wants to emulate your path can take all of your wisdom and hopefully we can use it and apply it. So I want to talk a little bit about advancement and promotion. Can you give us a sense of like, how many times you were promoted or how many levels you've held in your career and how many kind of steps you've climbed up the staircase? Sure. In this first decade, chapter one, I was promoted, you know, every year and a half or so. So I would say probably a half a dozen times or, you know, maybe five or six times in like the 10 or 11 years. And part of that was due to my success. And part of that was, I was in high growth companies that needed people to keep moving up. So it was a little bit of luck um, on top of hopefully some, some hard work and diligence, but I was able to experience promotion, at, which was great to have my work recognized, but also it's a perpetual challenge, you know, to keep moving up because each time put me, you know, in another level of discomfort. <laughs> so it was, it was great and a heady experience and a real learning curve. You're a really nice example of someone who's really moved forward and had a lot of success. And like, it wasn't always comfortable, but I do sense that you go into things with a really open mind. That's just the feel that I get from talking with you. I think you have to, I think one must, you know, the the strongest leaders I know are insatiably curious and they have enough trust in themselves to not have the answers. And the task instead is to surround themselves with the best people they can find that bring all the expertise to the table that's needed and that complements them personally. Now, it took me a while to get there, right? Because in the beginning of your career, I think you feel like, I gotta have all the answers. I need to know everything. I need to know, know more than everybody else in the room. I certainly suffered from that. And it was a learning experience for me to realize that that's not only not required, but it hampers your personal development and your ability to take on new challenges. At some point, you can't be the smartest person in the room anymore. It's hard. I I mean, I've really struggled with that. It kind of sometimes feels like an in-between space where either you don't know the answer, you don't have the answer yet, like being in that gray area or being in something that's like a little bit above where your capabilities can take you to. And I think I know sometimes there's a tendency to avoid things like that. Um, It can feel very, very scary. And there's like this temptation to stay on the project, stay in the situation, stay with the people that you know, like you're very successful with. But I think it is so important to just like, sometimes I think about it as building up your tolerance for discomfort, just because you decided to do something bold or new or different. It's not going to feel uncomfortable. But you're like, all right, I'm just gonna, it's just gonna feel a little bit uncomfortable. I'm, I'm going in to get a root canal. And I'm just gonna do it. I, I totally agree with that. I mean, I kind of have a love hate with the phrase fake it till you make it. But there is some truth in that. Um, I mean, I would go so far as to say, if you're never uncomfortable, you're stagnant. I mean, I I feel that strongly about it. Um, I think it's a process of building faith in yourself that you can be in an unfamiliar situation and figure it out. 
And that, you know, honestly, that faith comes over time and having some successful experiments, right? So it's great if you can try that on a small scale, be a little uncomfortable, figure it out. And then that goes into your personal reservoir of confidence. Like, okay, I can figure this out. And then you take bigger, bigger leaps of faith until you promise things that you've got no idea how you're going to deliver them. And you pull the rabbit out of the hat because you just know you'll figure it out. So, you know, baby steps get a little, you know, it's like learning to swim. You start in the shallow end, only take on a little bit of discomfort And then once you have that faith in yourself that you will figure it out and discomfort means you're growing, you know, you'll just take bigger and bigger leaps. I think that's so true. That's been my experience as well. And would you be able to share some advice or some tips with anyone listening who maybe is interested in advancing and cares a lot about their career path, but hasn't been as intentional as maybe they could in terms of being like, okay, I want to be advancing. I want to get to bigger things. What would you tell someone kind of based on all of your years in this world and all the success that you've achieved during that time? I think this is another sort of tightrope for all of us to walk between comfort and discomfort, known and unknown, and present and future, which really comes to play here. You know, I generally believe the best path to advancement is doing a stellar job where you are. That, that's particularly true if you're staying within the same company. I've certainly met lots of people where it's so clear that they're halfway in and halfway looking for their next thing. And as a leader, managing a person like that, I'm not that inclined to be overly supportive because, you know, be where you are. Having said that, you do need to be intentional and you do need at all times to pick your head up. You know, I think one of the traps women can fall into is head down too much. We can be perfectionistic, over-deliver, focus a lot on, on quality, being the smartest person, doing the most. And we don't pick our heads up um, to look what's on the horizon. What we do instead is wish that the promotion fairy will just recognize our hard work and tap us on the head with that magic wand and say, voila, promotions, and you know, which we know doesn't work. So again, I think you have to do a great job where you are, but scanning the horizon in two ways. You know, one is to constantly be looking for what you want, the intentionality of where do I want to grow, where do I want to expand my network or my skills or you know my functional knowledge, etc. But also scan the net, scan the horizon for what's next in my company or in my industry. Where are the opportunities? People get promoted often because. They are seen as part of the future, not just part of the past. So if you're doing an amazing job, sometimes it's even hard for a manager to want to support a promotion because you're so indispensable where you are, right? So, you know, you want to do that stellar job, but you also want to be positioning yourself as integral to the future of the company. So again, it's this combination of head down, head up and doing a stellar job at what you're working on now, but positioning yourself as integral to the future of the company. I really, really like that. And I think the idea of looking up and looking outside, looking at the industry and just looking more broadly at where your organization is headed is so important. And I know for me, 
I almost sometimes would have these thoughts of, well, that's not for me. I just need to do my job. And it almost was like, oh, I'll do those bigger things when I'm more senior and later and later. And then I kind of realized I was later is like never going to happen. You just sort of, if you're not the type of person that's like naturally doing that, you have to give yourself a little push. And I think also like if someone's listening to that and being like, am I supposed to do that in my role? Should I be doing that in my role? Should I be looking around? I guess my opinion is the answer is always yes. If you can think of a way to do it and find a way to do it, I would say don't discount that and say like, well, that's not for me. That's not for my role. You never know where that kind of initiative can lead you to. I, I really agree with that. And, and I can give you an example from my own career. You know, I was at American Express for many years. I started in strategic planning with the intention of wanting to move into marketing. Why? Because American Express is a great brand. Most of the companies in marketing, it just seemed like the thing to do. What I wish I had done is spend time with people in customer service and operations and product development and risk management and international. I probably would have taken a bit of a different turn. I didn't look up, look out, you know, enough. And, you know, it, it's not only kind of scanning the horizon for what's happening in my company, my industry, but it's actually networking. And I know that word is, you know, we'd love to hate it or hate to love it or whatever, <laughs> or whatever, but substitute whatever word you want there, but ask people to coffee in your company and say, hey, I'd love to know more about customer service operations or hey, I'm really, you know, curious about, you know, what happens over on the fifth floor because it's a black box to me. And I guarantee you people are going to say yes and um, really welcome, the, you know, the opportunity to share their expertise and their own career journeys. So I, I highly, highly recommend, you know, reaching out to people in your company and in your industry, you know, where possible. I fully agree. I think especially when you reach out to people who do something completely different than what you do, it can be so helpful. It makes you then better at your job because even though you might think you know how your company works, when you really get that exposure to like this area that you're never in, it expands your understanding of everything and you can see things in new ways. And I really agree. And it can be really fun just to get to know someone who you might not ever naturally encounter like in your day-to-day -day work. That's such good advice. I want to talk a little bit about confidence. That's one of the focus areas of the show. And I think it's something we all, I think, especially as women, we have kind of our own relationship with, our own struggles around. I want to specifically ask you about struggles with confidence and your thoughts on how sometimes that can show up as like a need for praise and like an addiction to positive feedback. I just want to hear your perspectives on that from the leadership work that you've done and your own experiences. Well, that really resonates with me, the whole idea of external validation in my own, you know, career journey. I think for me personally, and also I'll link this to some of the research, my developing confidence and where it was shakier showed up in two ways. One is this need, a constant search for external validation and praise. And I'll address that. But the second way too, I think is over delivering. Like I worked way too hard. <laughs> so there are two different manifestations of a confidence challenge. So on the external validation one, if we really knew our worth, 
intrinsically, inside and out. We wouldn't be scanning for praise and feedback all the time. I love uh, Tara Moore's book, Playing Big. She has a phrase called hooked on praise and criticism, where, where you know we're in this sort of like hamster wheel of looking for feedback. And we kind of lose sight of being our own critic or being our own cheerleader. And um, when we do have the ability to do that, we're just really unleashed in so many productive ways. And hopefully we've had all of us in our careers end up having more positive uh, relationships with our managers and leaders than negative. But if you're hooked on praise and feedback and you have not an adequate you know, relationship with your leader or they're just have really big shortcomings, it can be a terrible place to be because you're, you know, you're reliant on that. It might just be a person who you're, ne- you're just never going to get it. So you really need to be, have the internal resources to um, measure your worth for yourself. And that's something it took me a long time to learn. And I would go further to say on this topic that now that I don't have a boss, I'm the founder of my own company, um, I boss myself, and it really drove home how important this issue has been to me of getting feedback all the time because I wasn't getting any. I've had to be completely self-directed. I've had to congratulate myself, challenge myself, decide for myself whether I put in a good day's work or whether I'm prioritizing the right things or all of that stuff. And some of this discomfort we've been talking about, I realized came from no one patting me on the head every day. It, it let me reflect back on my career and really understand the critical role that's always played for me, that whole that, you know, kind of external validation feedback loop. So even now, after decades and decades of work, I'm really just now cutting that cord because I've had to and having a full understanding of how operational that's been for me. That's so interesting to me, like this idea of it being exposed because you're ultimately the very chief decision maker and this idea of like not having someone to do that and having to do it for yourself. Did it feel unnatural? And how how have you eased into doing that for yourself over time? Yeah, part of it felt natural and part of it felt like a real departure. You know, I've had big jobs. I've had to be very self-directed. So being self-directed has never been my challenge or being structured in my work or, you know, so that part felt completely natural. And it felt amazing to be doing all that self-directing for something I care so much about. So that part was natural. It felt rewarding. All of a sudden, all those good skills I had were put in service to something that I couldn't care more about. Like, that was lovely. But, you know, looking around at the end of the day, after putting in a long day and doing hard work and wondering who was going to commend me, (laughs) that part was like, wow, you know, crickets, that's who's commending me. And I really had to learn to just feel good all by myself, you know, for the own effort I put in, even if it wasn't showing up in results quite yet, I had to be proud of myself happy for the effort I put in, uh, recognize for myself that I've done some really hard things, um, take stock of what I've accomplished all by myself, not because I'm putting it down for a performance review, right? And that was unchartered territory for me. 
um, and has been something I've had to learn to do for myself. It's just so powerful because I think a lot of us, I can speak from my own personal experience, we, first of all, like we're not always forced into situations where we have to do that the way that you kind of have been in this new world. And I think we often don't do it because it's kind of like scary in a way. It's kind of getting to know yourself, building your bond with yourself. And I think that can feel almost vulnerable in a way. And it's almost like, am I am I good enough to reward myself? Am I good enough to believe in myself? And sometimes it's easier to just avoid those questions by just trying to be so perfect and getting it from other people. So you're like, oh, well, I don't need to look at my relationship with myself because everyone likes me. So it's fine. And I think it's just, it's vulnerable. But at the same time, I would guess that it's so empowering when you really slow down and say like, okay, how do I feel about how I'm doing? <laughs> you're, you're right. Like We don't often and sit with ourselves in that way, right? You know, if we're constantly getting feedback, feedback, feedback all the time in every corner of life, you know, from your boss, from how many likes you have on your Instagram, from like the, the world is just full of feedback at every turn. And it's made it very easy for us not to sit with ourselves and kind of take stock of, you know, how, how am I doing here? Um, how do I feel like I'm doing? Am I measuring up to my own expectations of myself? And um, how does that feel? And I think it also goes into this other part that I mentioned about how this lack of confidence showed up for me, which is over-delivering. So a lack of sort of taking stock of my intrinsic value meant that I was putting all my value in my output, my value was how much I could do, how much I knew, what I was delivering, not just who I am as a person and my capabilities and my temperament and my relationships. And just, again, it's sort of like taking stock of your intrinsic value. I wasn't doing that. My value was only how much I was delivering and how good it was and how, you know, how much I was outperforming and all of that. So that, I think that's another little trap when you don't feel like you don't just sit with yourself and feel just this deep sense of worth, right? That you're just on, again, constantly having to prove it again and again and again. And you can get really burned out doing that. I think the, the, the end of that little journey is to say, I can be wrong. I can have a bad day. It doesn't change my value, my worth, my ability to contribute. And sometimes 80% is good enough. Yeah, I think as women, it's very hard for us to find the source of worth within us that feels like really true and feels like truth for us because we're like bombarded with this whole spectrum of where we're supposed to get the worth from. And so it's almost like we at least I feel this way, never really had an opportunity to have a blank slate and say like, what is important to me? What do I value? And how do I want to cultivate that within myself? Or how do I get to a point where I feel okay with myself? Because we've been given this list of 500 things repeated over and over. We see it everywhere. Like this is how you are worthy as a woman in the culture that we're in. And it's just so much noise. It's really hard, I think, to turn that off. And then I don't know if you relate to this, but I think then there's also if you are someone 
who is naturally ambitious and you're like, okay, I want to sit with myself, be okay with myself. And then there's this like part of me that wants so much and wants to do so much. And like, that's real too. And it's for me, it's an ever evolving journey, figuring out how all these pieces fit together and what feels right and what feels like the truest expression of myself. I I think that's right. I love that you said the word ambition, because what I'm describing, and I think you too, about feeling your own value and worth does not mean that you don't want external recognition for your accomplishments, right? So it it doesn't mean that that needs to be enough. We're all ambitious. It just, that ambition can show up in so many different ways. So it's through self-knowledge and valuing yourself that you give yourself permission to be ambitious in any way you want. I mean, it, it, it could look really different for all of us. And for some of us, that might be achieving a certain level of distinction and recognition in your field that comes with title, comes with compensation. And you should. You go, girl. Like, that's awesome. And we need women in these positions of power and influence and authority. And if that is your ambition, there's nothing to be, you know, there's no shame in that at all. So I think it's this blending of knowing your worth, knowing yourself, making sure the path you're on is ambition as you define it, and that you are also getting externally recognized for your contributions. I mean, I think it's all part of this, you know, mosaic that you're talking about. Yeah, for sure. And then maybe also permission to be confused, permission to not know, permission to like think you wanted something and then get it and then realize that you didn't. All of that uncertainty and all of that in-between stuff. For me, it's hard for me to accept that within myself, but the more I do, the happier I am. It's a a challenge for me every day. (laughs) You know, I, I love that you said that too, because just being farther along in my career, I just have the benefit of more data points. And I've taken on things that were really uncomfortable and at the time felt like a misstep. I've also certainly had times where I didn't know what the right or next step should be or could be. And it's really okay. I mean, upon reflection, you kind of see how all the stars become a constellation and you can't see them in the moment. And it's totally okay. I think the best we can do is know ourselves. And if we're questioning, that's a, I mean, that's a wonderful thing to be in a questioning mode. And we're going to have little mini chapters of being unsure. And who wants to be stagnant or static anyway? You know, we need to let ourselves evolve. We're changing. Our relationships are changing. The nature of work, what work looks like is changing in our world. If we, you know, we, we, none of us can afford, you know, to be static. And, you know, change means having periods of um, indecision and flux. And then that's just part of it. Yeah, I agree. I've definitely gone through these periods where I haven't had a clear view of A, what my long-term direction is, and then B, also like what I would desire for my next step. And I think sometimes the more I would try to push to like answer it, the more it would backfire. And something that really 
has been helpful for me, which you may have experienced or might be helpful to someone listening is I started focusing on the things that I knew for sure to be true and just really tried to make those front and center. So like if I was feeling unsure of like what I wanted to do functionally or in terms of a role or in terms of a company or a vertical, I started focusing on like, okay, I love being so excited about my team. I love it when the people around me energize me. And I know that the interpersonal part is like so meaningful to me. And then just like allowing myself to be in the areas that I felt more certainty around and focus on those then eventually help some of the other stuff fall into place too. I think sometimes when we have an uncertainty or an open question, we just focus all of our energy on it and it feels like it grows bigger and bigger. So I've tried, I guess, to sometimes pivot away and say like, okay, well, what do I know that I like? What do I want? And can I use that as a starting point while I wait to figure out the other stuff? Well, that's super smart and proven and the whole there's a whole movement or realm of positive psychology um, and a growth mindset. And it's exactly what you're saying, because we can get very fixated on negative feedback, what's not working, and really lose sight of what we do know about ourselves and what is working for us. So it's, I think it's even worth really documenting some of those things. Like, what are my non-negotiables? What, what must I have in a workplace that for me to feel energized and good? Um, and even to think about, like, I, what happens when I have a good day? What happened that day? Or if I had a, something that drains me of energy, what was that circumstance? And really taking stock of that. And as part of that exercise, documenting your superpowers, because we all have them. And especially when in periods of flux or uncertainty or even just discomfort, remembering what we're great at is so powerful. So remembering what you're great at, those sort of non-negotiable things that you need to feel happy, fulfilled, energized. And if you don't know the answer, just remembering those things and putting yourself in situations where your superpowers can come out to play. And those things that make you feel happy and energized are part of your environment. And I do think the rest is going to reveal itself. I love that. And I'm so excited to talk about chapter four. I'm so excited to hear about what you're doing. And I love your story because I love how you've continued to evolve. I think a lot of people feel this fear around not knowing what they want for their career. And there's almost like a pressure people feel of like, oh, like, I don't know. Am I on the right path? What do I want to do? Can you talk a little bit about this change you made? I guess how did you know? Like, how did it come to you? Yeah, this is quite a story because I never thought I'd be telling this story. Um, so after all my you know, years and decades even of corporate work and consulting work, I was at an in-between space, which we've talked about, right? I've had a lot of in-between spaces between chapters, and I always get thrust into that soul-searching mode again. And I, that's where I was, and I was sitting with that. And I was consulting at the time, and it wasn't feeling very fulfilling, uh, trying to decide whether I wanted another big executive position or more consulting work or what. And this was the end of 2016, beginning of 2017, which was our presidential election. And the country and the world was feeling all the effects of coming out of a very divisive election. Uh, regardless of what side of the aisle you might be on, I think everybody would 
would agree that it caused us to be tri- you know, very tribal, very negative. And there was dehumanization going on on both sides um, of, the, of the debates. So that left me feeling like many of us were feeling, but just heart sick over the us versus them mentality that had crept in. And I think it really reminded me of what I value the most as a person, you know, I value empathy. I value belonging. I believe in workplaces that are inclusive where people, where everybody belongs and can show up as their best self. And I believe that in life too. And that was certainly not what was happening. So I was feeling all these feelings and I never would have imagined that I could channel those feelings into another career chapter. But I had an idea of creating a mobile app and a product and a business with the mission of solving this problem of disconnection, dislocation, and lack of connection, both with ourselves and with others. And so I set about developing a mobile app with that mission, which is sprung, you know, quite directly from my personal values. Um, And the catalyst was just the times we were living in. I had a very specific inspiration, which was um, an interaction with a participatory art project. It got the wheels turning and I couldn't get them to stop turning. And I felt like it was a calling and I had to do it. That's amazing. Tell us more about the app. Okay. Well, my lovely little app, which is just launched, is called Daily Aloha. And I do have this big mission of rekindling our sense of shared humanity which is a very big lofty mission, but the app is very simple actually. I ask the whole world a single thought-provoking fill-in-the-blank question every day. So how fun is that? I get to ask the world a question every day. Everyone has a chance to take a moment to reflect on the question, fill it out for whatever their truthiest truth is, and then they give it a little mood color, and they send it off, and it gets delivered randomly and anonymously to one other person in the world, and they instantly get one back from someone else in the world. So it's this moment of reciprocity. And then you give a little reaction sticker to the person that you received one from to acknowledge that they were seen and heard. And then you get to go to the wall, which fills up all day long with all the answers and responses from everybody all over the world. And you get to sort of connect that moment of reflection that you had up with all the reflections from all these other anonymous strangers that are in the app. And it's a chance to broaden your perspective and be in on a platform that, unlike social media, is not reactive. It's a place to sit with yourself and then hear from others in a place that's non-judgmental, no popularity contest, just perspective taking. So it's a two-minute daily ritual. I call it of reflection and connection. The feedback that we're getting is that people really appreciate having that mindful moment served up to them in a pretty fun and delightful way. And I'm thrilled that people love it for that. But again, my bigger ambition is that this reflection that we're all doing together gives us this sense of shared humanity and that we're all in this together after all. I got chills while you were explaining how it works, and I'm so excited. It just feels like such a antidote to like some things I've been struggling when it comes to like the addictiveness of social media and all that. I don't know. It just feels so in the other direction in such a good way. That's incredible. Well, that's baked into the design. I mean, it's actually kind of fascinating how the design happened because I explored participatory public art projects. I was like, ah, here is something that unites anonymous strangers in a moment of recognition. 
So I decomposed them to see how they work. What is it about these things? Whether it be a sticky note wall or a chalkboard, they're very simple, but you, you can't help but pass by and participate and feel kinship with all the other people that participate. So as I was exploring those and figuring them out, I was like, wow, what makes these work happens to be the opposite of social media. They're free of judgment. There's no feedback loops. There's no social validation. There's no popularity contests. There's no leaderboards. It's just everyone shows up and they can be completely authentic and vulnerable because there is none of that stuff. So I didn't set out to be an antidote to social media, but as it turns out, what does help in the physical world to make us feel this sense of shared humanity is what's not working in social media today. Oh, that's fascinating. I'm so excited to use it. And I'll share it with everyone also in the show notes, because I think that will appeal to people and everyone's going to want to try it. And it's just so cool that you've done that. And I think it's such a really nice inspiration for anyone who's listening, who either at this point or sometime in their career has maybe what seems like a wild idea or something that feels like you said, like a calling that they want to pursue. I just, it's so cool that you've done that. And I think a lot of us are going to look at you and look at your career journey and be like, Ooh, that's a good one. (laughs) I I, I like those chapters. You know, it, it is interesting because the startup culture didn't even exist in the beginning of my career. So starting with a startup, was never even an option for me, really. I mean, of course, there were startups, but there was, no, there was no tech and all of that. So, you know, my path went from big corporate to middle-sized company to small organizations to startups. So it went down a, a very uh, interesting funnel, which is not to say it can't go in the other direction because it's a lot of corporations now or big companies that are like, how do we bottle up that innovation and energy that happens in startups that we're desperately needing in our corporate environments? So I really love the fluidity now, that now exists between startups, mid-size, large-size, and, and, and up and down that chain. So I think the opportunities are, are really exponential right now. And that wherever you find yourself right now is simply a chapter and the skills that you're learning and the expertise that you're developing can be parlayed into bigger or smaller companies up and down the chain. It's such a relief to think about it as chapters. It takes the pressure off because it's not like there's only one. It's like, oh, there's going to be a few more. So it's all OK. <laughs> you know, another analogy that you might have heard is Sheryl Sandberg's and her in Lean In. She talks about how careers are no longer ladders they're jungle gyms. And whatever you think about that book, there's pros and cons, but I really do love that metaphor. And it certainly has been true for me. Yes, there are times when it feels like the place in the jungle gym. I don't even know what it's called. I don't even know if this is part of a jungle gym, but I immediately thought of the place where there are all these like rubber things that are flexible and you're like stuck in them and you're trying to get through them. I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I'm in that, but... I like the analogy a lot. I know. Sometimes you're swinging freely from bar to bar, and sometimes you're trapped by the bars, right? Yeah, exactly. it's, It's true. But you know what I really do love about that analogy is about lateral moves. We haven't talked about that, but in my career, I've taken jobs and promotions that are clearly like a rung up, whatever that means, right? In in pay, in status, in title. But I've also taken several lateral moves because I'm pursuing something that interests me or that I want to learn about. And I'm certainly willing to step sideways for my own personal growth and development. So for that reason, especially, I love the jungle gym analogy. 
Yeah. And even if we all knew exactly what we wanted to do and we never switched paths, just to think that something can be linear is... Uh, put so much pressure on it. And it's also just so unlikely. And uh, yeah, I, I really agree that we might find an interest that's different and moving sideways is going to feel so good because that's what's right for us at that point. And with that, I'm going to go into the closing questions. The first of the closing question is about the title of the show, which is The Art of Speaking Up. And I love to ask every guest to share what speaking up means to them and why they think it's important. I love that your show is called Speaking Up. Um, And it did take me a while, as I've talked about a little bit, to find my voice. And now I really see the benefit more clearly than ever about speaking up. I think from a couple different vantage points, one is that what's the point of not? It it feels pretty crummy to be bottling a lot of stuff up inside. It leaks out one place or another, whether you're crabby at home (laughs) with your dog, whatever it might be, but it, it does you no health favors to be like stoppering up your feelings or your perspective or your observations. So I think for all of our mental health, it's really important to feel that you have a voice and that you're comfortable expressing yourself everywhere, but certainly in the workplace. I think the thing that I've learned even more, though, is the stories we tell ourselves about why no one wants to hear us speak up And the fact that they're not really true all the time. So, you know, not only do you need to speak up for yourself, but your workplaces need you to speak up. I can't tell you how many times I've felt really reluctant to voice something. And that something could be a dissenting opinion in a meeting full of people. It could be giving somebody constructive feedback that feels very uncomfortable. It could be all sorts of different contexts. And I'm aware that... You know, I'm wrestling with being really clear with my feedback or with my point of view. And then I've gotten over the hurdle. I've spoken my mind and I've seen that it's a relief to people who might have been thinking the same thing. Um, it's, It's additive to the conversation. And even if it's not in that moment that it's appreciated, Later on, you know, people come back around and and thank me, you know, for voicing something that might have been a dissenting opinion or something hard to hear or some truth telling that um, people you know, weren't really sure should see the light of day. So I do think we tell ourselves a lot of stories about how our truth is not welcomed or valuable. And with practice, I think you find that um, they are just stories And there's a lot of value to us, not only, you know, our own well-being, but to the people around us in in speaking our truth. I very much agree with that. And for the final question, some context for the final question is I started this show kind of inspired by a time in my career where I was struggling with self-confidence. I didn't have any mentors. It was a challenging time for me. And I started the show to speak to women who might either be in a difficult situation professionally or just looking to feel empowered. So I love giving this last space to the guest 
to share whatever it is they would want to share with those who are listening? Well, I would love to share someone else who's been a huge inspiration to me. And I think her speaking and writing talks really quite directly to some of the themes that we've talked about today, which is showing up as yourself, self-knowledge, being uncomfortable and all of those things. And that is Brene Brown. I don't know if you know Brene. Oh, I do. <laughs> you know, okay. So um, for, the, for, for the listeners who may not be as familiar, she really became well-known with her TED Talk on vulnerability. And I recommend everybody you know, take a listen. Um, and quite recently, she has a Netflix special that is super accessible and you will really enjoy it. If you have a partner, I even recommend watching it with a partner because it might even improve your communication and your relationship. But what's fascinated me recently is that she's taken all her learning about showing up as our authentic selves and being vulnerable and applied them to leadership. So her most recent book is called Dare to Lead. And it talks about authenticity in leadership. It talks about how being a a clear communicator is actually kind. Um, And I thought maybe I would just read the introduction to her book to inspire some of the listeners to get the book perhaps or find out more. So here's what she says about leadership. Leadership is not about titles, status, and wielding power. A leader is anyone who takes responsibility for recognizing the potential in people and ideas and has the courage to develop that potential. When we dare to lead, we don't pretend to have the right answers. We stay curious and ask the right questions. We don't see power as finite and hoard it. We know that power becomes infinite when we share it with others. We don't avoid difficult conversations and situations. We lean into vulnerability when it's necessary to do good work. So I find that incredibly inspiring. And I would leave that with your listeners today. Oh, thank you so much. That's been on my reading list and I'm bumping it to the top. <laughs> well, one last little story about me and Brene Brown. She was on a book tour with her book, Dare to Lead. And I was super eager when she was in New York City to go to one of her talks, which I did. And then I you know, lined up book in hand, ready for her to sign it. I swear it was like I was meeting Madonna. I don't know. I, I was so nervous and yeah. I have my book. I'm like, what am I going to say to Brene? And I'm, I'm so nervous. I give her my book and I'm just say, thank you. You're my spirit animal, <laughs> which is the most ridiculous thing to say. I don't, that, it, it just came right out of my mouth. And she looked at me like, okay, then let me just get to starting your book. <laughs> That's so funny. You were starstruck. I was starstruck. But she is my spirit animal, and now everybody else knows it, too. Oh, that's so funny. Well, you got it out, and you shared it with her. So not entirely a bad thing. That's so funny. Thank you so much, Amy. So welcome. I really enjoyed talking to you. Thanks. Thank you so much for tuning into my conversation with Amy. After recording this interview with her, I had a chance to meet her in person and it was wonderful. And she is such an uplifting and inspirational person. And I have to say that after I did this interview with her, I downloaded her app, Daily Aloha, and I loved it for a lot of reasons. 
it gives you kind of a prompt for the day. So it's almost like a question or a fill in the blank. And you fill it in with whatever your answer to the question is. So they're mostly reflective questions that ask you things about your life and ask you to reflect upon your values and things that have meaning to you. And after you answer the question and submit it, you get to see everyone else's answers. And it's just a really beautiful display of humanity. It sort of reminds me of those times when there have been national crises or difficult things happening in the world. And in New York City, in the subway stations, people would put all those post-its on the wall of the subway station and you would kind of feel really connected to all the humans just by seeing the things they put up there. And it also reminds me of this other time in a job that I had when difficult things were happening in the world. In the women's bathroom, people just started putting these post-its on the mirror in the women's bathroom that had all of these positive affirmations on them and these encouraging things. And her app really brings that kind of energy in for me. And her app really reflects a very similar feel. And I would really love for you to check it out. I would really love for all of us to support her as she makes her dream a reality because I personally find it so inspirational. And I would love for us to all check it out. And if you like it, maybe leave it a rating in the Apple App Store, which I rarely rate my apps. But if you do use Daily Aloha, I think you will find that it is really special. And feel free to reach out to Amy and let her know what you think. I know that she appreciates the feedback and this is something that's really near and dear to her heart and like I said, really inspires me. I hope you're doing well. I hope everything's going well. Don't forget that a link to my newsletter will be in the show notes. I'm also going to start always including a link to submit a listener question because those are still on the table that you'll be hearing more about those in a future episode. And with that, I'm going to sign off for the day. Hope you're doing well. Catch you in a couple weeks. It's another interview coming up. Yeah, have a great day. Bye.